0: Hi, and welcome to Mouse Chat. It's Steve, and I am here with Sharpie. It's just the two of us. How you doing, Sharpie?
1: Howdy, Steve.
0: The the ladies have left us alone, but we do have a special guest.
1: And, and we all remember what happens when
0: Steve and I are <laughs> left alone. <laughs> yes. The podcast <laughs> is so much better. But we have Chris Smith. We had Chris. Chris was on about a year ago, and he's been feverishly writing even more Disney books. So when he was on last time, he had the, uh, it was kind of a backstories to Walt Disney World volume one. Now we've got backstories and magical secrets of Walt Disney World volume two. So welcome, Chris
2: thanks steve sharpie man it's great to great to be back on with you guys i I did hear a nasty rumor that the only way you could get me on was for for lisa and lauren to not be on this is this is true i I hope that's not the case
1: well it it seemed to have worked out that way it (laughs) it is it is purely coincidental we think
2: (laughs) I, i hope so
0: so so i was going through the book earlier today One of Sharpie's favorite things, because we were talking about, like, if we could do a job on one of our earlier shows at Walt Disney World, what would we do? And he is perfect for a skipper at the Jungle Cruise. And I saw that there are some backstories or little secrets to the Jungle Cruise. Uh, And then also the new restaurant that opened up a couple of years, uh, Skipper Canteen. Yeah. Is there anything in there that you could share with us or in uh, Adventureland?
2: Yeah, so I mean, you know, Adventureland is one of my one of my favorite lands in in the Magic Kingdom, and and, and the Jungle Cruise. Being a you know a, a big fan of Disney history and nostalgia, certainly the Jungle Cruise is also one of my one of my favorite attractions. But you know, what's interesting about that attraction, just from a, from a backstory standpoint, is that it's really completely changed and and evolved over over its its lifespan when it was. Since um, it was originally started in Disneyland, you know, back then when it was first first created for, for the Disneyland park. It really was kind of a a, a, a look. At at you know kind of true life, uh, true life nature and true life adventures, and was based on the 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 true life adventures Disney series of 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 short films and full length films that became popular in the in the 40s and 50s, Um, and 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 was a very popular attraction then. Um, But uh, you know kind of the this is one of those things I put in the book, but you know you know nobody can verify. It's just one of those kind of Disney you know rumor stories is that one day Walt was in the park and heard some guests say you know Hey, we don't need to ride Jungle Cruise." We've already ridden it once, and and that's enough. And so he looked to to Mark Davis, um, a gentleman who we you know we talked about a year ago, kind of one of those those Hall of Fame Disney Legend mm-hmm. Imagineers, uh, to to see what could be done about the attraction. And you know, Mark's answer, as it was, and so many other attractions like Pirates of the Caribbean and the Haunted Mansion, was to to insert some humor. Right. And so so the attraction evolved from this look at true life, nature and history to this kind of comical gag look at 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 these different these different, uh, you know, jungle and um, and, 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 and African savanna scenes. Um, and that's the attraction that, that opened in the Magic Kingdom. Uh, but what's what's really cool, I think, is even though you had this attraction there that had a, had this kind of built in backstory of this silly look at nature. When when the Skipper Canteen opened a few years ago, um, at that point you just got a flood of of, of new detail um, about the attraction and the restaurant and how the two relate together, um, and and essentially you know just kind of the the the, the fifty thousand foot view of that backstory is that you know in the early nineteen hundreds a, a, a an outpost in the jungle was set up to help kind of carry cargo for for different explorers and as business declined in later years, um, uh, they kind of switched focus and became more of a tourism type company. And uh, what, what is so great, especially about the Skipper Canteen restaurant, is that um, you, can, you can just walk in there and go from room to room to room and look at you know, the bulletin boards and the different doors and the signage and even the plaques that are on the wall in the lobby and you see all this fantastic detail that supports that story, you know, down to um, you know the characters involved. You know, uh, you know the, the the person who runs, you know, the the Jungle Cruise operation now is, is a lady named Alberta Falls, um, and she's the granddaughter of Doctor Albert Falls. Which anybody who has has ridden the Jungle Cruise knows, you know, recognizes that name pretty well. Um, you know, unfortunately. You know, uh, you know, people, um, I think the average Disney fan doesn't pay a lot of attention to the Skipper Canteen. Um, and I wish they would, because I think, number one, I think the food's great. But, but literally, I don't know if you guys have ever done this, but literally, you know, uh-huh. there are a couple of bulletin boards uh, in the dining areas that are just filled with details and notes and silly gags, just like, you know, the attraction itself. Um, and And that experience, you know, I, I think we could all agree that, you know, the Jungle Cruise, kind of how you enjoy that ride depends upon, you know, the quality of the skipper that you get. Um, and, and even the, the the waiters and the waitresses in the restaurant, you know, can help enhance that experience as well.
1: Uh, Disney legend is that Walt wanted live animals.
2: Yes, that, I'm, that's a good point, Sharpie, because, you know, you know and what I do in, in the in the book in volume two of the backstories book is the same as I did in volume one is, you know, kind of look at kind of these 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 backstories for the for the attractions and restaurants and shops. And those could be, you know, official Disney created backstories or kind of fan created stories and, and then go into all the different details and, and secrets that are hidden hidden in there. But we also oh, talk about the, Disney lore. Yes, that's right. And then we look at the real history as well. And you know, Walt, I think a running theme of 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 this backstory series is that Walt was, you know, he was just ahead of his time in terms of the ideas he would have for different concepts for the parks, right? And and his his idea back when the jungle crew was first created is yes, you know, not a lot of people got to travel to these exotic locations in, in Africa and Southeast Asia and South America. And so he wanted to bring that. To 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 fans who who could visit the Disney parks, um, and and you know, after talking to you know his consultants and, and other people, kind of the the task of trying to keep live animals, uh, you know, on schedule and 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 have them meet kind of the Disney needs in terms of entertaining uh, fans. Uh, we just just proved too difficult of a goal to try to accomplish at that time. Now, if we flash forward to the, to, to today in the animal kingdom, you know, Kilimanjaro safaris is kind of the the real life um, you know uh, uh, realization of that dream that di- uh, that Walt Disney himself had for the Jungle Cruise, you know, back in the in the nineteen fifties and nineteen sixties.
0: No, i yeah, So sorry. much
1: of what guests will find in in Disney parks and Disney resorts is inspired by Walt's family's travels. Uh Walt and his Walt and his kids and and uh his wife Lillian and and, and then just their travels. So it, it's really interesting to see uh all of the different elements of Walt's personality and interests that come into the park because so often Walt is painted as, as like the Disney executive, Walt wasn't much of an executive. Walt was an ideas guy, and much of what we can think about the Walt Disney Company today, in terms of its its uh, prosperity and, and richness of history, goes back to thanking Roy.
2: Yes. Absolutely, because Roy was uh, the banker. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, it's funny. I mean, listen you you need the idea man, right? The dreamer, uh, and then you need the, the the realization person who can can take those dreams and make them work within the confines of of a corporation and and budgetary restraints. But but you know, to that point, if you look at the Magic Kingdom. Um, you know, as it is today and as it was uh, back when it first opened in 1971, and you look at those different lands, you know, there's a lot of talk today about, um, about you know, backstories and storytelling in the parks in relation to intellectual properties, right? And the feeling today that, you know, you just don't get a lot of original, uh, you know, Disney-created uh, uh, ideas and plans for the attractions and parks. You get IP tie-ins, whether it's Star Wars or Toy Story or some other Pixar franchise. Right. But back when the park first opened, you know, Fantasyland was that then, right? Fantasyland was, you know, the IP place, right? It was the place and, and where, dark rides. Yes, absolutely. It's where it's where people could enter these stories and these films that they they had grown up with or their children had had fallen in love with. But if you look at the other lands of of the Magic Kingdom. I think all of those are directly tied to to Walt Disney, right? So Tomorrowland that that we cover in Backstories Volume Two you know, Walt was fascinated with 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 space and space exploration and just that idea. As a matter of fact, you know, I I, I practice law in Huntsville, Alabama, and and kind of the, the the father of of space flight was was a gentleman named you know Werner von Braun, who who worked in Huntsville, a, a a German immigrant who relocated here. But but you know, Tomorrowland was was grown out of Walt's you know view of of exploration. You know, his his love of America and history. You know is is where you know those those routes from Main Street USA and Liberty Square and Frontierland all grew and then certainly his world travels to exotic locations whether it's the Polynesian Islands or Africa or South America you see that direct influence in Adventureland so you know it's interesting to kind of think about the IP discussion today and look at the park because you know you had that IP present in Fantasyland and really the other lands grew directly from Walt's own interests and loves and things that he was passionate about.
1: And the overall theming of fantasy land has morphed over the years. Uh, it, th- there there was the period of time where you had the, like the medieval kind of fantasy fair type of environment, but all right. of that has changed in in a, in a, in, in a, a, a kind of a, A quarter turnway, because you still have all of that type of theming, but then you also have Beast Castle, you have Bell Cottage, you have Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, and then down on the end there you have uh, Winnie the Pooh. (laughs) So, yes, Fantasyland has has kind of morphed a a lot of its own which kind of goes back to the way that we are talking about the jungle cruise and how the jungle cruise kind of shifted and changed and has really become more about the humor and the skipper than about the 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 concept or the idea of adventure
2: right and and, you know fantasy land is really you know it's it's uh, you know, I, I, I think Walt described it. You know, the Disneyland version is, is the heart and soul of the park, right? And I think a lot of people, you know, you know, would agree with that because, again, that's where. That's where the animated films, whether we're talking, you know, the very first one, Snow White, or or the the Disney animation renaissance with the Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast, you know, that that's where those areas come to life. But but to your point, Sharpie, you know that original the original area of Fantasyland, which sits in the in the back courtyard of Cinderella Castle, it was it was tied to that Renaissance fair, you know, medieval type theme. And what was interesting was a lot of those rides present. You know, kind of drew inspiration from early European fairy tales, right? So there was even a connection there. Yeah. Uh, but certainly, you know, things change and evolve, and 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 especially with those expansions, you know, of of, of New Fantasyland, Fantasyland Forest, and the Storybook Circus, you know, there are some hard right terms there, right? You know, and the things that don't necessarily tie in perfectly. And of course Disney, you know, did what they could to to, and we talk about this in the book, you know, to 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 kind of explain some of that away. Um, uh, but at the end of the day, you know, and I love fantasy land, but from a from a backstory storytelling perspective, you kind of have to suspend your disbelief of, uh, you know, kind of walking from from this medieval courtyard to, you know, a new castle to a new castle to um <laughs> uh, an American circus.
1: <laughs> so, well yeah. and, and yeah. I think that one of the biggest things in my opinion, one of the biggest successes of the new, of New Fantasyland was pulling Dumbo out of the center of attention
0: mm-hmm. and
1: putting the Casey Junior train down at the train station. It, it it shifted that focus enough to pull Dumbo out, let the carousel exist in its own circular world, uh, and then kind of create that entire new themed area. Which is sort of adjacent to the teacups. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that whole yeah. part is just a, is just a little on the on the now. Now what? I think one of the coolest things that, that happened with New Fantasyland in terms of small details and small theming is the concrete mm-hmm. and all of the, like the stampings and the, like if you you find like the the peanuts embedded in the concrete over, over by the Casey jr. Train. And then you find, uh, Maximus's, uh, uh, horseshoe prints. It really kind of pulled all that together. And then once again, we turn that corner once again with the little mermaid, you find seashells and other things like that over in that area. So it really expanded kind of the definition of what fantasy land is or, or what it was at one time. And then you hop over to Fantasyland at Disneyland and they still have Mr. Toad's Wild Ride.
0: Oh, my favorite.
1: (laughs) We just talked about Mr. Toad's Wild Ride on on one of our last episodes. Mm. And we were all like, so what exactly is that?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's it's so, you know, so I I agree with all that. And And what I think it is, is, you know, when you have these additions, when you add on either these new sublands or new, attractions that don't necessarily tie in with the overall backstory you know i think that hurts this overarching backstory for the land but I, I, on the other side of that coin, what i think you have seen and i think what you what the, what you're getting to here sharpie is is what they're adding though is a lot more detail rich right there's so many more right. things that tie in and and i always encourage people this is actually one of the themes of the backstory series is is when you're walking through the parks you know, don't just make a, don't just run to the next attraction, you know, look up, look down, look around, you know, kind of listen to the music. And, and it's, it's amazing how so many people don't look down. I mean, to your point and, and Storybook Circus, you know, you see kind of the train tracks of the train pulling into town and the peanut shells near, near Dumbo and, and all these cool different things. Uh, Even, you know, even looking down in the, in the lobby of the Country Bear Jamboree, and seeing the claw marks on the floors from the bears, you know, entering the theater. And, and, and I think those details are just so, so much fun and and, and so cool to see. And unfortunately uh, I think the vast majority of, 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 of fans are unaware that those are there uh, and don't see them. Uh, But again, back to your point, yes, you have some, you have some overarching, I think backstory inconsistencies, but Man, just a whole lot of cool detail, just yep. just just put in such a in such a um, you, know, you know such an area that. Really, you could just spend all day there reading the different posters and all the references to these these um, you know lesser known Disney characters like Lambert the Lion and Humphrey Bear in uh, Storybook Circus. Uh, you know, I, I I'm willing to sacrifice a little bit of of overall backstory consistency to get all those cool fun details. Yeah,
1: and and, and that's something that, that they really kind of cranked up the 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 temperature on were the details, and I think that's. It was really important for Fantasyland because, whenever you hop over into uh, Liberty Square or go back into Frontierland, you you see the transition of story in
0: mm-hmm. those
1: areas. Um, yes. But th- it's not something that you really saw in terms of of seeing a progression or seeing a a, a, a time warp, if you will, between the different attractions.
2: Yeah, that's right. Because if you, if you, if you look, you know, once you enter, once you enter Liberty Square from Fantasyland, I mean, from that point, walking from Liberty Square through Frontierland to Adventureland I mean you have these deliberate transition from the buildings representing different geographic areas and different time periods and a progression of time it all really makes sense if you're kind of watching out for the details as you travel through uh it's different as you're walking through uh through fantasyland and then obviously you know it's a it's a it's a it's a hard jump from 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 fantasyland to tomorrowland but um but again with with, with all those You know, an increase of details Uh, and again, you know, there's such a heavy IP focus today, but I think even with that IP focus, the details of the storytelling and the attractions and the shops and the lands are so much, so much heavier now than they were. uh, They were, I'd say, you know, you know, five years and, and back before now.
0: No. And no. like
1: you you had said yeah. about mentioning the different uh different kind of sense l element of the senses as you pass through the parks. I think that that's one of the things that strikes me most about Disney Parks that, that I that, that I really enjoy on, on a totally different plane uh are the soundtracks to each of the areas. Mm-hmm. The, the the different sounds of the music, the different instrumentation, it it is entirely in, in engaging and encompassing when you're in the park during the day, uh, and, and the the spirit is high and the music is 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 at a faster pace. But then, as you go through the park at nighttime, a little bit more subdued, a little bit more relaxed, it's just a different feeling. The lighting is different. The feeling of the concrete under your feet as it changes through each of the areas, just to- totally different experience when you when you think about the park in in the 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 senses way of what you hear, what you see, what you smell, what you feel, It's, it's really incredible.
2: Yeah, and, and the imagineers, I man, they really do. You you have to take your, your hat off to, to Disney's creative people because, you know, when, when we talk about storytelling, you know, what what we're talking about is everything, right? It's it's the architecture of the buildings, it's the landscaping in the area, it's the smells that that kind of that, that radiate from 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 many of the many of the stores. And certainly the music and the sounds play a huge role uh, in that storytelling emphasis. You know, when you make that transition, from from Main Street USA and you hear that you know these these ragtime melodies into Adventureland. You know, there's not this hard abrasive stop, but it's one slowly blends out, and, an, and another blends in with, you know, with the distant banging of drums, and you hear, you know, parrots and other birds, and and so it becomes much more kind of mysterious and adventurous. Um, and you know, and again, as you as you, if you if you head to Liberty Square, you know, the, the the fife and drum music, and it just all really, you know, I think music plays a huge part of that storytelling process. And I'm just impressed by the way they're able to do that transitioning from land to land, right? Especially land where you have hard turns in terms of what those sounds would be, you know, Disney's able to to pull that off. And, and, and I would say maybe music, you know, maybe more so than anything except for maybe the visuals, uh, is what, is what gets people into those stories and makes them feel like they're really a part of them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Now, Chris, the biggest backstory change for me is a five-letter word. It's Epcot. <laughs> because where that started, when yeah. that opened, and the concept and the idea and how everything was built around intervention and edutainment uh, and no characters and kind of and then the kind of uh, World's Fair type piece with uh, uh, World Showcase, but it's definitely it's changed because it needed to change and it's still changing. So I like where it's going. So what what do you think about the kind of the backstory and some of the stuff happening over at Epcot?
2: Yeah. Epcot is, it's really a fascinating park, you know, historically, right? I mean, I think anyone who studied the Disney company knows that, you know, this, the quote unquote Florida project. So the, 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 creation of Disney parks on, on the, on the East coast, uh, you know, certainly it starred with with the Magic Kingdom, but the heart and soul of that development was going to be Epcot because of Walt's passion for that project. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite things to do, and I would encourage people if they haven't seen this, is to Google Epcot film um, and watch this, 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 this wonderful piece of of film that that Walt essentially gave, kind of laying out what his plans for the original version of the experimental prototype community of tomorrow was going to be. And, and that plan, as, as you both know, was an actual living, working city with people who actually lived there and, and partnerships with companies to help create new technologies and, and fight kind of the, the, the problems that, that cities were facing in terms of pollution and crowding and, and, and those type of things. Well, when when Walt unexpectedly passed away, uh, you know that, that vision of Epcot lost its its driving force. And you know, as you mentioned earlier, Sharpie, you know, Roy had to take the reins of the company and make sure that you know the Magic Kingdom and Walt Disney World as a whole became a reality. Um, and, and and really it didn't people, bankrupt the company. That's right. That's right. And and what's so interesting is is once you know, you get the magic, you know, people kind of forgot about Epcot. Just in the surge of trying to get the Magic Kingdom opened. Well, once the Magic Kingdom opened, you know, Imagineers struggled and Disney executives struggled for years to figure out, you know, what what is Epcot going to be? You know, what how are we going to make this work? And you know, I always wonder what would have happened if Walt would have would have lived longer. Um, you know, would 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 that creative genius been able to pull off his original vision? For Epcot, because what, what executives struggled with is, listen, this has got to be a park that makes we make money on, right? We're a business. Um, and they could just never come to grips with that. And eventually the Epcot that did open in 1982 was two separate and distinctly different theme park concepts. This, you know, a, a World Showcase, World's Fair um, uh, type park and a and a and you know, a view of the future, you know, focusing on human achievement and advancement World showcase and just combine the two of them and open them up, um, and, and the certainly, ingenuity of American business. Yes, yes. Like that was right. one of
1: the the biggest driving forces behind Walt's vision was the showcase of modern technology in America, and how America was leading the world, and how. the the, the technology and the technological advancements that were possible were leading us to the future. And I think that's something that that a lot of people forgot when, when Epcot opened was that it was really nothing entirely like Walt wanted. Walt wanted a community. Walt wanted a place where people lived and worked and, and wanted to bring people in to see this model community of the way that all communities across the country could or should be. And we ended up with a theme park with gates.
2: <laughs> yeah. And, and people get so, people get so emotional today, and I get it. Right. You know, cause we listen, you know, we all love Walt Disney world and we love the parks and, and they all mean, you know, different things to us in different ways. Uh, but you know, people, get upset about changing epcot now right and kind of the new things that 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 we know we're going in and and other things that we there are rumored but certainly the face of that park is being changed and and kind of the the knee-jerk reaction that a lot of people have who don't like that is that this is crazy this is not what walt wanted but to your point sharpie what opened in 1982 was that was completely different i mean that you can even make a really a comparison to that park, that theme park that opened versus the living, breathing city that Walt had envisioned when when they first started working on the Florida project.
0: Yeah, there's are two, two totally different things. And then they they kind of did the celebration uh, community of um, down there in in Florida that was that was kind of a Epcot spin, I guess, in a modern day thing that was. That I always wanted to live, into, live in, but then I realized I would never be able to afford it. But yes.
2: Well, you know, the, listen, the, the, the homeowners' use on a utopian
0: city have to be pretty steep. This is true. Oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> I did. You're, you're, you're financing
1: someone's dreams and visions.
0: I know. I did join, <laughs> I did join the gym there in the Florida hospital there. And it was the most amazing gym I had ever been in in my entire life. I mean, Disney had a uh, virtual reality training center in there. As part of the gym and it had like a wizard that would tell you, you know, which, which different exercises you could do. It was like a little wizard animatronic. And then you would do like these kind of like spaceship earth when you, when it ends type of things. But, but but it was like Mm -hmm. 20 years ago and they would like be projected on the ground and you would do these different, uh, cardio exercises by running around and stomping on things or catching things or whatever. It was amazing. But anyway.
2: You know, I tell people that listen, if 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 you want if you're going to the parks and you're trying to put your eye on the closest thing to 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 what represents, you know, Walt's vision, original vision for Epcot, then you need to ride the monorail and you need to ride the people over in Tomorrowland. Yeah. Right. Because <laughs> because because those were gonna be you know two of the primary modes of transportation in the Epcot that 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 Walt envisioned. So, you know, if you every don't say the time I board thing, a you know. tram
1: in a Disney parking lot, I think, why isn't there a people mover? <laughs> <laughs> you, you think of the operating cost of those trams day in and day out, 365 days a year, 12 hours a day. You think about that. Why isn't there a people mover?
2: I don't know. Listen, I'll tell you, I, I love the people mover. It, mm. it is, it is, you know, um, certainly if you're wanting thrills, it's not, it's not the ride for you, but if you're looking to relax yep. and have a calm, nice, really cool ride around, you know, um, you know, a, an area of the park, that's the ride to go, to get, to go enjoy. Plus you get to look at uh, at least a piece of, of that progress city model, and kind of going back to this original vision for Epcot, this beautiful model. That's Mm -hmm. really only, it looks, it's, it's a large piece, but it's only a fraction of the original model that depicted kind of, you know, again, Walt's original vision for, for Epcot.
0: Yeah. Uh, We, we read that every time.
1: And I think that the other, other, other element too, that, that I really think Walt Disney would, 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 be frankly shocked at are the number of buses that are utilized at Disney <laughs> instead of more more modern or more efficient modes of transportation. Now we have the gondola coming down the pike. So the, the public opinion uh, literally pun intended, still up in the air on that one. Some people swear they'll never ride it. Um other people can't wait because it's it's going to connect uh, resorts that have never been connected to parks before. Uh, and, I mean, you're you're looking at, at, a, at a maximum wait, uh, maximum ride time uh, of under 20 minutes to get practically anywhere. But at the same time, you still have all of these buses that are running from park to park, from resort to resort, from resort to park. It, it's it's absurd. Like when you think of the number of buses, the number of drivers, it's, it's so crazy when you think about the enterprise that is Walt Disney world and you think, well, yeah, Disney, they're, they're doing get rich quick here, but you think about all the roads that Disney
0: owns (laughs) on that. Sharpie, this is where the backstory start is from those bus drivers. (laughs) And if they got rid of the bus drivers, there would be no backstories.
2: Well, you know, to kind of tie it back to backstory, people ask me as the books have gotten to be popular, um, you know, I get more and more questions from 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 readers, which which I love. But and I'm sure you all have have probably gotten this question before is, is, you know, well, what would Walt think of X? Right. You know, what would Walt think Mm -hmm. of the parks today? What would he think of the new attractions? And, 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 and listen, you know, nobody knows the answer to that, right? That's, that's, you know, each person has their best guess. But for me, you know, I I think the attractions that, 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 you know, kind of push, you know, the technological boundaries, the attractions that, that are deep in, in storytelling detail and, and, and convey a story, no matter how complex or simple that may be that's what I think he would be very impressed with. Uh, And I think, I think certainly, you know, the Disney parks have, have a lot of, a lot of those things.
0: Yeah. And it, and it never stops. I mean, it's not like they don't do backstory. I mean, even Disney Springs, which is basically like an outdoor shopping mall has a theme. They have the springs. They took mannequins and made it a water bottling company that, you know, sprouted up in this city to bottle the spring water and you know now it's uh what is it? It's the uh, Asian restaurant, um, and so they've kind of themed everything, even in Disney Springs that has a story, and then they take that for Avatar. I mean, that's amazing when you go to see Flight of Pad Flight of Passage, or any of those attractions in that land, and then Galaxy's Edge cool. will be coming on. So.
2: Yeah. Well, what I think is great is, um, you know, you, you know, sir. The reason I I started the backstory series is because I wanted I wanted to pack as many of these details and stories as I possibly could into into, into one series. You know, I I, I, you know, I kind of see kind of bits and pieces of things and in, in, in different books and websites, but I wanted to. To, to create as complete a resource as I possibly could. Right. And so, you know, volumes one and two cover the magic kingdom as a whole. My editor almost passed out when I broke the news to him that, Hey, I can't get all the magic kingdom in one <laughs> volume because there are so many stories and so many details. But even for me, um, I think we may have even talked about this a year ago, the last time we talked, even for me, someone who's taken it upon themselves to kind of study these things and look for these things and look at every box and every queue. And what does this sign mean? Is this a, is this a hidden reference to Disney history? you know and i've been to the parks countless times and spent countless hours working on these every time i go into the parks i see something new Mm -hmm. right and that can be because you know certainly a lot of these things are continuing to evolve and things change but a lot of them have been there for decades and 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 you just pick up on them at random times at random points in attractions or in shops you look at something you've never seen before and that's what makes it so fun and i think that's that shows the level of commitment that the Disney company and, and its Imagineers have to rolling out these stories and all these different details.
0: Yeah. I mean, e- even uh, when the Adventurers Club closed over at Pleasure Island, I think some of that stuff I, I ended up seeing over at, uh, at um, what is it, at the uh, Jungle Cruise, where they would tie those two stories together and they, they do a really good job of kind of tying everything together. So if you're a Disney fanatic like us, you always have something to look for.
2: Yeah. There, there are, what's fun is there are SCA references, you know, tying into the adventures club, you know, in the jungle cruise and the skipper canteen. And what's funny is, is it seems like in the international parks, those references are becoming much more popular and new attractions that pop up. And I'll, I just love to see that.
0: Well, that's cool. So if they want to get a copy of either volume one or one or two, or you also have, which we haven't even we haven't even talked about. It. There's a Walt Disney World twenty nineteen attraction guide. So they can pick that up. Is Amazon the best place or do they go to your website or
2: yeah, you, you certainly can pick up all those on on, on Amazon.com. Uh, I've also got got a website up and running that's uh, ChrisSmithBooks.com. That's that that's that's a really cool site. You can see kind of the new things I'm working on there. Um, and then certainly, if they want, to, if 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 they're fans of of Disney history and they like seeing old cool construction photos or detail photos, uh, then then they can you know follow me over at Twitter at CSmithDisney. Uh, it's a. I'm pretty active there, and 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 again, love posting about those details and different uh, different old construction photos or different things that were happening in the parks uh, a few decades ago.
1: So, what's one of the coolest things that you've discovered without without spoiling without spoiling a book? <laughs> what's one of the coolest things that you've discovered that, that kind of either piqued your interest more in a specific topic or really kind of made you dig deeper on something that you may have already known about? It's like, what was your, your biggest surprise, or your biggest point of interest uh, throughout, throughout writing your books?
2: I think one of the coolest things, and I won't give away too much of the detail is, 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 is Pirates of the Caribbean. Right. So I think that anybody who's read my first book of the Walt Disney world, that never was. They, they know that I'm kind of, I'm fascinated with the Thunder Mesa project that never came to be. And Uh, then kind of, you know, the tie-ins with Pirates of the Caribbean and and Splash Mountain and Big Thunder Mountain. But for pirates, you know, I've ridden that attraction and just, I, I couldn't even count how many times. And I thought I knew what the story of that attraction was, right? I thought it was, hey, it's just a bunch of pirates who show up and raid this town and have a whole lot of fun doing it. And I realized that is not the backstory at all. I, I was completely off. Uh, it's actually a a morality tale uh, of right and wrong uh, that uh, that again I had just missed uh, by 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 not knowing that backstory.
1: Which the crazy thing is that's the big backstory behind Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. <laughs> it, it, it is that that decision making and that uh, like go 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 with your gut, go with your conscience. But yeah, it, it's it's there.
0: Yeah. It's crazy. I just love getting run over by the train. We already talked about this. When I was a little yeah. kid, that was the best. That was my favorite ride, just getting run over by the train at the very near the end. It was Well,
2: it's you know, Disney fans are obviously very passionate. And and I've got a uh one of my favorite t-shirts is a Mr. Toad's Wild Ride t-shirt that I that I wear, you know, more than I should around the house. Um <laughs> You know, but, but that attraction and you just kind of, you know, you know, context is is important in any type of yes. historical look. But when you look back at kind of how that attraction ended, it's kind of crazy to think about, you know, mm-hmm. again, it's in fantasy land and, and, <laughs> you know, and we're all going to go to a place we probably don't want to be in <laughs> the yes. attraction.
0: It was, it was <laughs> awesome. It was very, it was, yes. When I was a little kid, it was like so real. And it was like, back in the day, it was like the coolest thing ever. And then I took my kids and they were like, dad, this is the dumbest ride. And I was like, yeah, it kind of is because <laughs> now everything's so much better. But back in the day, it was well, awesome I, when I was like six or whatever it was.
2: <laughs> well, this is, and listen, I'm in the, I'm in the, the, the very small minority on this point, but I still love the Swiss family tree house in am. And, and I even, I've got a chapter in in my, in, 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 the backstories volume two book. Um, and I'm always fascinated as I walk through that, you know, the, the, the Disney 1960 film, mm-hmm. Swiss was Robinson was one of my favorites growing up. And, and I think it's that emotional tie that, that, that makes me love it so much. But my young children walking through there, they're like, what in the world? Like, when does the show start? Like when, you know, when, you know, where, where are all the, the audio animatronics? Uh, where, where, do uh, the where do we board? Where do we drive the
1: train? Yeah where, yeah. where do I get on this ride? I was like, no, you don't understand. You're on it.
2: Yeah. Look how cool this kitchen is. You see, it's, there's a clamshell sink and everything. Yeah. Uh, Yeah,
1: exactly. (laughs) And listen, do you hear the organ? (laughs) That's the Swiss Swiss apoca. Apoca?
0: Exactly. Well, it was cool to see the rooms and how they made them. And then as a kid, you're like, oh, this is the coolest treehouse ever. And then the water system and how they're moving water up and down and all that was really cool. Now it's just a, it's a queue. It's like an interactive less than an interactive queue compared to something like the, the at avatar or flight of passage. I mean, it's, it's kind of come Good to try. that. Oh, well, thank you for coming on. We will have you on again. I am sure there will be a volume three and with so many things at so many parks and, uh, and then you'll have to, for Thunder Mesa, you'll have to go do, do one on uh, Disneyland Paris or the international parks. And, uh, you know,
2: the, the way I look at it is, is—is hey, one book at a time.
0: <laughs> I know.
2: <laughs> as long as I've got my day gig, you know, it's going to be a slow and steady process. But I, I will say this. I mean, I mean, first of all, I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, you know, it's it has been a very rewarding experience. You know, I have four books out now and just this, you know, it's great to see, you know, when you put something out there like that, especially, you know, the backstory series to see that there are so many Disney fans out there like us who love these details and they love these stories, they love all these hidden secrets in the parks and want to seek them out. Uh, and and the feedback I've gotten on all those books has just been fantastic. And so it's certainly a a, a labor of love, uh, but uh, but it, but it's been very rewarding. And and the thought of someone enjoying their trip in the parks just a little more because they know of some of these details, it it, uh, it really is a a, a rewarding dang
0: well thank you chris for coming on and uh thank you everyone else for listening and if you are not already you can listen to us on itunes with with lisa not being here i'm going to kind of screw up the ending so we'll just we'll just make it our own uh you need to join us on facebook we have a facebook group uh that's where all the uh, and you can uh get into the group and almost almost anybody can get in just uh Go ahead and and apply to get into our group and we'll go ahead and approve it. Or you can go to our Facebook page and uh, thank you for listening to Mouse Chat.